Today's episode of the podcast comes to you from the Maldives, where I am on an amazing vacation together with my family celebrating my dad's 60th birthday. I share a little bit about what the day-to-day is here on a literal paradise island. I talk about whether or not I miss life on the beach, and I get into just family dynamics and how easy it is to revert back to the roles we had in our families in childhood. I also talk about the importance of taking care of ourselves and the importance of taking care of the women in our lives during the most vulnerable stages of life. It's a vacation episode. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Let's dive in. Okay, I'm here. We've made it. Hello, hello. Hello, my love. Welcome back to the show. It is a slightly different episode of From the Heart with yours truly, with Rachel Brayton, this week because I am in the Maldives. I know. (laughs) I know. I'm in the Maldives and it's so... it's, It's literally... I don't know if there's a way to describe the polar opposite of Sweden in November, but that's where I have ended up (laughs) and very purposefully so. So I am on vacation with my family right now and it's a really big, bountiful, abundant, beautiful vacation. It's my dad's 60th birthday and he's a really generous guy. He decided to invite the entire family. So my grandparents and he, his wife and her parents, their young kids and all my siblings, including, of course, Dennis and my kids. So there's 16 people of us here at this really unbelievably beautiful place in the Ba Atolls in, uh, in the Maldives. And honestly, I uh, I had a thought like maybe I should open this show with like a little little grounding or something just to relax. But then I went, but like I can't get more relaxed <laughs> than I am right now. Can my shoulders drop any lower? Like can my face soften more? I don't know. But maybe yours can. I know you're probably not listening from vacation in the Maldives. So how about we all just take a breath together to land a little bit wherever we are. Okay, so if it's dark and cold and rainy the way I know it is where I just came from, then go ahead, you take a breath with me. If it's sunny and gorgeous outside, you take a breath with me, whatever is moving through you in this moment. We just take a moment to deepen, okay? So if it's possible, let your shoulders drop a little bit lower, And if it's possible, let your face become just a little smoother and softer. Maybe your heart can drop a little bit as well. And sometimes we get this just intuitive wanting to connect deeper to the earth. And I can notice that whenever I'm just looking to ground, I usually automatically just uncross my legs and place the soles of my feet down to the earth. So if you want, you can do that. 
or maybe just root a little bit deeper and lower into your seat. So feel that earth beneath you somehow. And then we're going to take the just the deepest breath we've taken all day long. I don't know if you've had a moment already today to really connect with the breath, but let's make this the deepest breath on this day so far. So a long, full breath in through the nose. And when you feel ready, you just open the mouth and let go. Let's do that two more times. So breathing in through the nose, filling up body, heart, spirit. Open the mouth and let it out. One more time, we inhale. And open mouth, exhale. Okay, so you can keep your eyes closed if you want or blink them open. You probably heard a little bit of the ambiance, just background noise. I don't want to call it noise. It's not noise. It's background sounds um, as I record today. So there are these magnificent birds sitting in the palm trees outside, right outside my my little like hotel my little villa. I don't know what you call it. It's like a little room inside a, <laughs> it's a room inside a house. What do you call that? <laughs> it's just a little room. Beautiful. These incredible birds. And they are so loud. Literally, like the first days we came, they would wake the baby. They are so loud. And now he's used to it. So now he sleeps through these amazing, just tropical sounds of the jungle here. But you are going to hear these birds. You are going to hear what you just heard as we took that breath, which is the seaplane these planes that take off from the ocean and then they land back in the ocean. That's the only way to get here, really. Or you can take like a really long kind of speedboat ride, but everybody just gets here by seaplane and you hear them when they land because they're literally right outside this door. So yeah, so just enjoy the sounds of the tropics. And you might even hear the most bizarre thing, which is on this island. Yeah, there you go. On this island, there are bats, okay? There are bats, but they're not like the bats that we know, <laughs> the bats that you've seen, there are, they're like mutant ninja bats. <laughs> they're bats the size of Ringo. They're the size of a dog, like a small dog, not like a giant dog, but they're ginormous bats, huge. And they look, you think they're birds. They look like a seagull or something, except they're black. And they fly just back and forth between the palm trees here all across the island. And they come really close to you. And my grandma was almost pooped on by a bat. Like that really, she said it targeted her. <laughs> like it saw her from afar and came to poop on her. But they're really, yeah, I've never seen bats like this up close and this size. Like it's really something. And they make these crazy noises that I was sure was bird calls of some sort. But no, they're just giant bats. <laughs> so yeah. if, if we hear one, I'll pause and I'll let you know what that is. But um, yeah, we left rainy, cold November Sweden for the Maldives. And it's funny because now we've lived in Sweden for two years. People keep asking me, you, you moved from the Caribbean, you know, I lived in the Caribbean for a decade and a half. How is it to be back in Sweden? Don't you miss the beach? Don't you miss the ocean? Don't you miss the sun? And my true and honest answer throughout all of these, like fully throughout these two years has been no, not at all. I really had my fill. You know, we lived in Aruba for almost 13 years um, and two and a half years in Costa Rica before that. Like I really had my tropical fill. I so missed the four seasons and I missed the cold waters and I missed just the nature of Sweden. And even as we get through the darker and the colder seasons, I just really appreciate that. Like I really appreciate things getting darker and turning inward and there's something so natural about that, you know, after we bloom and we expand and we reach that peak height of energy of summer that we soften and we let go. And then you watch nature do the same and you watch how nature shifts colors and then drops her leaves. And then those leaves become mulch, which fertilizes the soil for new growth to begin in the spring. You know, there, there's something so perfect about how, how this earth is designed, right? So every time someone has asked, like, don't you just like hate the cold or don't you miss, well, don't you miss the beach? My, I've been really truthful. No, I haven't. Like I really appreciated every part of Sweden. 
up until just now. <laughs> okay. Up until just now, the, the two weeks before we left, and I think maybe knowing that this vacation was coming, just the two weeks before we left, it started getting really, really, really gray. And then it's kind of that moment where they change the time, which really, and I know they do that for a reason, the time change, but it kind of annoys me a little bit. I wish we could all just align with what nature says instead of just decide like, okay, now we're an hour off. Like to me, it's just, it throws your system off a lot. But then all of a sudden it gets so much darker, you know, because normally the sun sets at five and then all of a sudden the sun is setting at four. And by the time we come home, I think the sun is going to be setting closer to like 3.30, maybe even earlier. I don't know. It's just, it gets, the days get really short. It gets really dark and it was rainy and getting cold. And I had that very familiar feeling that I had growing up in Sweden, which was like, oh my God, I need to get out of here. <laughs> I really did. I felt very Swedish when I started complaining for the first time, kind of about the darkness and the weather and like, that's what we do, you know. And knowing we had this trip coming, so we've been planning for this trip, I don't know, maybe a year, like a really long time. We knew when my dad was turning 60, he, he knew he wanted to take us all somewhere on vacation. But then for a while, he thought, maybe we should just stay home and have a party. And everyone was like, no, let's go on vacation. <laughs> let's, let's, we're all fine if you want to take us somewhere exciting, you know. But we've known this is happening. We didn't know where exactly. We just knew we were all going to go somewhere warm. And uh, knowing that this trip was coming, I think, also made it like, I don't know, the contrast became really stark. And uh, the days leading up to this trip, I was just so done with the cold and with the dark and, oh, and then before we came, Dennis said, you know, what if, what if when we get there, we just, we miss the beach life so much and the sunshine and the warmth, like, what if we don't want to go back to Sweden? I'm like, well, if that happens, then we'll deal with that. <laughs> he was nervous. He's like, what if I just want to like go home to Aruba after being in the Maldives? And I kind of knew like there's a lot of similarities, obviously there's white beaches here, beautiful blue water, like Aruba is the same. But the similarities end there. Like it's a completely different culture, different food. I mean, everything's different. It's just the beach is, is what's similar, right? But after having been here now for a couple of days, we both, like we looked at each other just now and went like, you know that idea we had a couple of years ago where the dream was to spend like six months somewhere warm and then six months somewhere cold? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I think... I think I'm liking that idea again. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I I kind of, I'm, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it now. I do. I really get it now. Two years in Sweden and I get the Swedes that escape winter. I do. Now, the feeling I have now, having been here for a few days, I haven't worn shoes since we got here. Not a single time, literally. Like all the restaurants, even though there's, it's like a really nice resort, it's all just shoes optional everywhere. No one really wears shoes anywhere. And there are these beautiful little trails that take you from villa to villa and from different parts of the island and everybody just bikes everywhere. You ride your bike barefoot or you walk and just waking up and just walking down to the beach. It's so special. And I can officially say I miss the sun. <laughs> I miss the beach. There is something that's awakening in me a little bit now that goes, yeah, I do. I really miss this. I do. But do I miss it enough to want to, all of a sudden, I want to move from Sweden or something like that? No, no, no. I so, so, so align with and want to continue to anchor into the nature in Sweden. But I also can see ourselves taking a longer trip some at some point, like every winter or every, especially November. I don't know, like November in Sweden is kind of rough. As soon as you get closer to December, you know, you get to real winter and you might get snow and then Christmas, like the whole lead up to Christmas is so beautiful and amazing. And then January, it's like ski season. I mean, there's lots of, there's beauty in every month, but I think November is like the toughest one, I think for me anyway. So yeah, so we're just in that conversation now of like, how would one, how does one go about that? Well, in Sweden, if you have kids that go to school, you literally can't, <laughs> you literally can't. We have something called skolplikt in Sweden. Lots of countries have it, but it's really, really strict in Sweden. And that means obligation to go to school. You're not allowed to homeschool. You can't 
do anything really by yourself. You have to adhere to the system. And the system says you have to be present. And that includes, like, you know, you're not allowed to just take your kid out of school to go on vacation. You're not allowed to just say, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to the Maldives for a month or we're going to go to Aruba for a month or we're going to do something like that. Like, the Swedish system does not enjoy that. And, um, yeah, it makes it just really hard to make, <laughs> to live a life that's out of the norm, right? Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. But anyway, so we are here and it's just already probably one of the most beautiful vacations we have ever been on. And it's different for me and Dennis. We spent so many years traveling to so many beautiful places. We've had such a blessed, beautiful life. But most of those trips, I'm probably 95% of those trips have always been related to work somehow. So it's been, we've traveled for classes or traveled for events or traveled for groups or retreats or programs or things like that. And then usually we would attach like a few days of enjoying being there after or before. But we have been just notoriously like never like it's never it's happened once that we were like hey let's travel somewhere just for the sake of being on vacation to not have any work to like leave computers at home to just go and do the thing because our lives have been so intertwined always like work and play has been the same thing kind of and that was right before the pandemic it was like five seconds before before the pandemic we went to Tulum in Mexico and uh, we went to Tulum in Mexico Dennis had an Ironman there, if that counts as vacation. For him, it does. Very strange, but yes. And then, uh, yeah, we went to Tulum and we had a week there and it was so amazing. Like really kind of similar vibes to here. I don't know, even even though it's very different, it was, it was also similar in that, I guess, inside of me, just, oh, I'm here for like all this time and there's nothing to do, nothing to be done. There's no deadline I have to keep. There's no moment where I have to get up and perform or do something or teach a class or be you know on in a certain way like I can literally have everything just turned off this whole entire time and all I have to tend to is a six-year-old and a four-month-old <laughs> you know that saying I've heard it so many times that like there's no such thing as 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 vacationing with your kids it's just it's just parenting in a different location like that saying I have to say, like I, I, like, I get that, but for this trip, it's just not at all the case. I don't know. I don't know if we're just blessed by the baby gods right now or what's happening, but we are having just the most incredible, easy time with Bear. He, it was a 20-hour flight here. I was nervous about this flight for a long time. I have a little bit of like PTSD from traveling with Leia when she was this age. She cried the whole way everywhere we went. She would just scream and cry. We were those parents frantically panicking, you know, and walking up and down the aisle with a crying baby. And we go to fly with Finn. 
and I had like prepped for every scenario. He was happy the whole way here. Like, I don't understand. Even at the point when he got really overtired, because of course he did, because he didn't get any long naps. Like it's all, it's all weird. You know, the long flights, we had three flights here, a bunch of layovers. We were traveling all through the middle of the night. It was really, yeah, he did not at all sleep the way he normally sleeps. He was red eyed and really tired, but he never, he never fell apart. (laughs) I don't know. He was just, he held up so beautifully well, so happy the whole way. And then we got here and it was kind of like, he was like, oh, oh, it can be this way. I don't know. He's never, he was born obviously in the summer, but then he was so tiny. We could barely, we couldn't be outside. We couldn't be in the sun. You know, he was like a newborn, fresh, fresh, you know, on the earth. So what he's experienced in terms of the outside in this more awake, alert age that he's in has been the fall, which has been like kind of cold, a little bit of sun, but he's not, never had that warm, real, real experience. And then we get here and he was just like, I step out onto the beach and he looks out at the ocean with these huge eyes, these big eyes, literally just taking it in for the very first time. And then he looks at me and it was kind of like, he just went like, whoa, like, what is that? And I just got to, it's, it's been so beautiful just to get to share with him, like, bear, this is the ocean. <laughs> bear, this is the beach. This is where your daddy's from. Like, he's from the beach and the ocean. This is, I like to believe he has like a connection to the sea in his bones somehow. It is in his ancestry, obviously, to to live by the sea. Like it's really there. And I wonder if he just, if, if there's a familiarity there for him somehow. I wonder if how we grow up, like how our, how our ancestors grew up in the kind of areas and the kind of places and the kind of terrain and the kind of, you know, like what nature was like for our ancestors, if there's somehow this ingrained connection in us. So if we have ancestors who live in the mountains, like, are we going to feel a familiarity when we get to the mountains, even if we never went there before, right? I don't know. I like to believe that. Maybe every baby is just mesmerized by the ocean. I don't know. But I really, I like to believe that he's just feel, he feels the connection. (laughs) But yeah, he just loves it. And it's super hot. I mean, it's 90 something degrees. It's like 30 degrees Celsius. It's really hot. And he is not bothered. He he just is like in love. He's like a perfect vacation bear. I don't know. He sleeps in the stroller. He's so happy. He got to drink some coconut water. <laughs> he hasn't had anything to eat aside from breast milk. And he got to taste a little coconut water. And he's just loved it. And he's been this smiley, happy little bear since we got here. So I just sense, I don't know, for every day that we're here, I, my shoulders drop a little lower. I can really feel that feeling of just my face softening a little bit. I'm starting to arrive at a place of, I really, a place of just relaxation that I haven't been in in a long time. And even though I am not working, you know, I don't have these high pressure things going on in my life, but being pregnant and then giving birth and then being postpartum and then tending to a to a tiny baby like it's a lot of it's 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 a lot of intensity to that like the love is so intense the presence you hold with your baby is so intense the anticipation and the lead up to birth is so intense like pregnancy is intense it's just a really it's been a really intense year yeah and not intense, it's like it's been a really hard year or anything or like a, yeah, no judgment or label to that. It's just been like an intense year where I can feel like every part of my being has kind of worked. Like my body has worked really hard to grow this baby and to birth this baby and now to nurse this baby. My heart has expanded enough to hold a whole other being. Like that's kind of wild, the emotional journey that we go through when we have a little one, you know. I can also feel in my mind, like there's been a lot of, yeah, a lot of working through old wounds and a lot of working through limiting beliefs and working through fears and all of that. Like there's been just a lot of intensity in this past year. And as we got here and I got to put my feet in the sand and swim out into the ocean and just, you know, turn up and lay there floating, looking at the sky, I felt this yeah, this exhale, 
yeah, this exhale of I'm here, I'm here, really here, not just here as in, oh, I'm on the beach again or in the ocean again, but like I'm here somehow, mother of two, did the thing. <laughs> We're out of the fourth trimester, like really, like he's four and a half months now. He's a real, he's, 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 he's not an infant. He's not a newborn. Like he's a baby now and we're here. And I'm just feeling this kind of, this sense of recalibration within my body almost. Yeah. I don't know if there is something that happens there. I have to learn a little bit, or I would like to learn a little bit more about this. Like what happens after, like when we exit the fourth trimester, like when your baby's three months, that we start to sort of recalibrate back into our own systems again somehow and I can feel that happening in my body it's like everything is starting to land and there's lots of amazing parts about this trip I mean there's just I, I there's so many like little things this resort like there's tiny tiny things that they do that are just part of the day-to-day -day that I just find so remarkable like for an, as a, for an example, every day there is fresh water poured into this beautiful clay like vessel. It's almost like a big vase. And they, they clean that and they put fresh water in that with a coconut spoon or like a coconut ladle. And those are perched outside each door. And you use that little ladle to clean your feet. You use that water to clean your feet from the sand because you step right from the beach into the villa. And every day there's another person there just like cleaning that and pour, putting fresh water into that so that I get to have clean feet. Like there's just such the level of attention and care. Every day there's this guy that comes and he puts new fresh, new fresh fruit in the fruit bowl. <laughs> and he asks me every time, is there some, is there a special kind of fruit that I would like? more of and I'm like I just I'm so grateful for everything like everything just feels so remarkably beautiful with Kizik Hands Free Shoes motion sounds something like this Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion with over 200 patents and easy on easy off technology you'll never have to touch your shoes again there are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This level of attention that just as a postpartum mom, I am soaking up. Like I'm just like swimming in a sea of care right now. That's what it feels like. And everywhere I go, when they see the baby, you know how when you're carrying a baby around, people are like, oh, so cute. Oh, my God. Hi. Hi. You know, there's so much attention on the baby all the time here. We get that for sure. But they also are like, oh, you have a baby. Oh, we take good care of you. You know, we're going to take good care of you. And people keep asking me how the birth went and how was pregnancy and I really feel like, or I've asked around a little bit, but the culture here around postpartum time is much more cherished than it is in Sweden. And then I think that it is in, in the Western world. I was talking to a woman at the spa yesterday. She was from Bhutan. And she asked me, so have you been resting? And how is your, how have these months been, you know, postpartum? How is your body? And I said, well, I try to rest as much as I can. And I feel really proud of taking good care of myself postpartum. And she said, you take care of yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, well, my husband takes care of me, of course. He also helped me cook. And oh, she said, when, he, when we, in my country, when we give birth, we don't take care of ourselves. People take care of us. And she explained that when you give birth in Bhutan, the husband or the mom and dad of the, the postpartum mother trek to the river every single day after the baby's born. They trek to the river and they collect these kinds of rocks. She was trying to explain like a specific kind of rock, but I didn't really understand. And they bring the rock to the house and they have a fire and they keep tending to that fire all day long with the rocks in the fire. So like the husband or whoever is tending to the mom, there's always someone like tends to this fire all day. And then in the evening, they put these hot stones in a big wooden tub that they fill with water and they put as many stones as they can to get the water as hot as possible. And it creates some kind of, 
I, don't, I really want to know what stones these are. But she said there was some kind of like reaction with these kinds of stones and the, and the hot water. And the mother soaks in this wooden tub filled with hot rocks from the fire that her people tended to all day. And this happens every single day for one month. <laughs> I was just like, wow. <laughs> like that's the idea that Dennis would like trek to the river to collect rocks <laughs> and then keep a fire burning 24-7 with these rocks inside and then make me a bath with a hot fire stone. Like that's just like, it just felt really far removed from, yeah, obviously far removed from the lives we live. But, and then I kept, I asked her a lot of questions. I'm so, I'm so curious about how people do things in other cultures around, yeah, pregnancy and everything around that. And I asked, so do you sleep with the baby? She says, of course, we all sleep with our babies. We never put our babies in their own bed. That's very strange for us. And then she said, they don't like the babies to touch the ground. And I didn't understand what that meant first. Like, what do you mean touch the ground? Of course, they don't touch the ground. It's not like babies can walk, you know, like obviously they don't touch the ground. But what she meant is you just carry your baby all the time. You don't put your baby down like on a bed or on a seat or we don't have those little baby, they don't have those little baby bouncers or like gadgets and stuff that we have in the West for, yeah, to keep the baby entertained or bounced over there somewhere. She says, no, we carry our babies until they can walk. And I'm like, so does the mother do this? Like, what if what if you have a lot of kids? She says, well, the aunts and uncles help a lot. And the grandparents help a lot. And then she joked, that's why I'm so short, because I carried all my nieces and nephews their whole lives. <laughs> and they wrap them and they carry them, you know, for like at least the first year of their lives. And it's just been really, I don't know, it's been really beautiful to talk to so many of the mothers that are here from different cultures and just learning more about the postpartum time and how differently we do things. And uh, I'm really appreciating this sense of care, just that, that I get from, just from people asking like, how, how was, how was the birth? Tell me, you know, how are you feeling? Wow. If there's something about that, that just, I don't know, I feel extra held by every woman I've encountered here so far. And I have been contemplating a lot, just I wonder how far back we would have to go. And I don't want to generalize just by saying West and East as if, you know, that's that's a big generalization. But say Sweden, where I live, where I'm from, how many generations back I would have to go to be able to reconnect to rituals that are more similar to those, as this woman from Bhutan was telling me. And obviously... I would imagine that the reason that those rituals live on is because people are still living in the countryside. Obviously, there's challenges to that too. You know, there's blessings with having the medical system we have in Sweden as well. But then I asked a little more and she was like, no, everyone in Bhutan, you get six months maternity leave. So everyone gets six months to stay home, but not everybody wants to. And I was like, oh, like I'm so, so curious, like how it works everywhere. But I wonder at what point in my own ancestry did we abandon that kind of natural level of care for a new mom? I really think that there's something so natural about the village gathering or the family gathering to take care of a postpartum mother. Like, is there anything more natural than that? It's so obvious. Even if you've never seen, witnessed a pregnancy before, you've never witnessed birth before, like it's so obvious that this is a person who is in such huge need of replenishment, a huge need to restore, that the time immediate time following labor, following birth is this really sacred, precious time where the mother needs so much in terms of support. And I really like to believe that we all back in the day that that level of care was just more naturally there. I, I really think so. And I don't know so much about, like, how did they do things in Sweden? I know they used to have kind of village midwives. There's this really beautiful word, like an old school word for midwife back in the day was jordmor or jordemor. They also, they still call it that in Norway. And it literally translates to earth mother. So it was the earth mothers who tended to the births, the earth mothers who were kind of the the local wise women or the medicine women of the of the village who would help and support women in birth and at what point you know were these 
wise women cast aside on behalf of this very rigid patriarchal structure of the of the medical system and the way it looks today. And if you look at, you know, how it is now, especially postpartum, how harsh it feels, if I just feel into the energy of the postpartum time in Sweden and the States and, you know, these countries where a lot of you guys listening are from, like across Europe, and it feels very sterile, like it feels very harsh. It feels very isolating. This idea that we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to snap back like bounce back culture that we're supposed to get fit back in those jeans as soon as possible. And, you know, when can I go back to the gym and when can I start running? How am I going to lose the baby weight, lose the baby fat? Women get really celebrated if they get thin immediately following birth, you know, wow, you already look so good or wow, you look great. Being told that like women who are really thin and who become thin quickly again after pregnancy, like that's a huge accomplishment to just have lost all that weight. And that in and of itself is just feels so harmful, like so instead of the focus being on how can we heal, right? How can how can we emotionally support you? What do you need? How can we move through this most sacred, challenging time of, you know, ushering a whole new spirit into this world? making space in our bodies, in our hearts, in our families, in our lives. Like it's such a, it's a completely brand new life with every baby we have. And there is such care and reverence needed there. But instead, we're encouraged to just focus on getting slim, right? Lose that baby weight right away. And the same like big belly that we're so celebrated for when we're pregnant, all of a sudden is really shameful when we're postpartum because it's supposed to, yeah, we're supposed to bounce back right away, right? And then, of course, that the culture of having to return to work, of getting back, if it's, you know, getting back to our careers because we really want that or getting back to our careers because society demands that we want that or getting back to work because we simply have to go back to work because there's no other option for us. It's just, it feels so wrong. It really, really does. It really feels so wrong. And... When she was telling me that story, this beautiful lady from from Bhutan, I had a little chuckle, like imagining Dennis trekking to the river to collect rocks for me. But then I got a little sad where I just, oh, you know, we don't have that. We don't even have a ritual that mimics that in my own, in my own culture. There's no ritual that involves the the partner, the husband or, or whoever we're having this baby with, where... There is something just, you know, ingrained that 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 person does to celebrate the postpartum mom or to support the postpartum mom. We're all kind of making it up as we go along. And all of us, and I'm sure there's many of you listening, you have that same longing as I have. If you're pregnant or you've been pregnant or you want to be pregnant, you want to feel that sacred support from the people in your life. But you're going to have to kind of guide them, right? Because we're not raised in that way where just everybody knows what to do. Even me, you know, at the end of pregnancy, I found myself having to really tell family, like, okay, here is what I need from you. Like, you're allowed to visit, but not if it causes me more work. <laughs> if you're visiting, please bring food. <laughs> if you're visiting, please empty the dishwasher. <laughs> if you're visiting, please put in a load of laundry. You know, if you're visiting, like, be supportive and helpful. Don't come here a visit where I have to be the host and I have to, like, cook for everyone or be on my feet. But that wasn't a natural thing for most people, even people who love me the most. It, was, it just wasn't because we're not, yeah, we're not raised to hold postpartum women in that kind of reverence, right? So it's nobody's fault. It's not like from a place of neglect or a place of malice or anything. It's just, we don't, we don't look at, we don't look at women in that way. And as I was just imagining, like, Dennis going to the river to, to get me those rocks, I was, like, a little saddened by the fact that, that we don't have any kind of ritual around family life that even begins to come close to mimic something along, along the lines of that. Not saying that we should all abandon our modern lifestyles that bring so many good things and, you know, go live in the countryside and find a river to trek up and down. But I'm, I'm talking about the things that mimic that somehow right because there's lots of things and lots of ways to support each other that we can 
that we can recreate for the modern day lifestyle, but we've kind of lost all of that along the way. You know, same with the ancient earth mothers that supported women through birth in Sweden. There's great things that have come along along the way through science and through just evolution of of all the amazing technologies and the things that we have available to us now. One of those things being soap, <laughs> people washing their hands now, and lots of great things that have come along. But we didn't did we have to abandon the midwife altogether, which is something that's almost happening in Sweden now. Like where the care is so medicalized and even midwives are really cast aside and not allowed to to take the lead and everything is so hospitalized and medicalized it's almost yeah it's almost yeah to the point of it being really sterile and really cold and i think along the way of all of these great new inventions and ways to save lives and all these things that are great that we have we lost so much even just the word earth mother like everything that came along with that did we have to lose all of that like did we have to lose the rituals did we have to lose the traditions did we have to lose that natural built-in sense of care that i really believe is is in there somewhere yeah i only have questions i have no answers as i'm sure you can tell when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply so as a postpartum mother being here on this incredibly elaborate <laughs> vacation <laughs> that I would never be able to go, I mean, I, we would never be able to be here if it wasn't for my dad. I'm really, really grateful for him and just his generosity here. But I have been so pampered. I've had, you know, I've had so many Ayurvedic treatments so far. It's been a long time since I connected with Ayurveda in the first place, it's been years since I actually, since I was partaking in any Ayurvedic rituals or just engaging in that science. And here I've had, I had a postpartum massage where I had two women pour heated oil up and down my body <laughs> for an hour and a half. It's just like copious amounts of warm oil running down your scalp, like in every inch of your body. It's, it was, and that it was such a female experience too. It just felt so, yeah, I don't know. I came out of that treatment crying, really crying, feeling like I just, I feel so blessed. Every cell, every inch of my body has craved this level of touch, like this level of just therapeutic, really healing care. And I feel I feel so grateful does not even, yeah, grateful is not like a strong enough word for how I feel just getting to be here now at this stage in time. And we are here since we are here with the whole family. We, of course, have had our family dynamics. It's funny that it really doesn't matter where you are in the world. And it also doesn't matter how old you get. But the family dynamic that you're grown up with, that you're kind of born into, like that's the dynamic that remains and even though most of us are grown-ups now, so I have here with me on this trip, I have four, well, I have three siblings that are grown-ups, two sisters and a brother, and then I have three siblings that are little, so four, six, and eight years old with my dad, that my dad has with his, uh, with his wife. I almost said his new wife, but his wife, his, his uh, yeah, his current, like, little family constellation, which is really beautiful. But all of us adults, you know, we are, we are all grown-ups with lives and boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands, or at least I have a husband, I'm the only one married, and jobs and school and things. But it's kind of like the moment we get together in any sort of extended period of time, everybody reverts back to childhood, <laughs> to childhood dynamics immediately. Like, it's so funny. I am the eternal big sister. I fix everything. I solve the problems, you know, I take care of everybody. I, um, we decided to have a, we had a party for my dad 
And I all of a sudden found myself like juggling every single aspect of that, everything from like choosing the menu and the food to planning out the speeches. And suddenly I'm, I'm like a Toastmaster and I'm writing out individualized speeches for every person. I gathered videos from 30 of my dad's closest friends and Dennis was helping me edit all of that together. And I was figuring out his gift. We all got together to give him a gift, but suddenly like I was alone in doing that, like all of the things. And it was just me. And I'm like, I'm the only one here with babies. I'm the only one here with two kids. All my other siblings, they have nothing to do. Like they don't have anybody here. They have no one to take care of. I'm not even like a dog. Like it's just them. And then I was in, I was like sitting with a chef there. <laughs> okay, can we do this? And can you figure out like an HDMI cable for this projector screen that we're going to show this video? And this guy was like, hey, like, are you always, are you always the one doing everything? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, where are your siblings? Like, why aren't they helping? And I'm like, you know what? That's a really good question. <laughs> why am I the only one doing everything? And then I just sat with that and like, well, because I take that on. And it's so funny, like, it's not that they're lazy. No, it's not that they're not wanting to help. No, it's like, this is our dynamic. And it has been since everyone was really little, where I'm the one who steps in and get everything done and everybody just gets out of the way. And I had that moment of like, but wait, like, we're not kids anymore. Like, I don't have to have this role alone anymore at all with a four-year, four-month-old and a six-year-old. Like, no. And then I call my sister. I'm like, hey, I really need your help with this party. She was like, okay, what do you need? And I'm like, can you take this whole area over? Sure, no problem. And she did that. And I asked my brother, I'm like, hey, could you please help me with this? Yeah, no problem. And then everything is fine, you know, but I really had to sit and like have a little <laughs> chuckle to myself of like, oh, how we, it's like the pathways of who we are supposed to be in our family dynamic. They're so strong. They're really carved there. <laughs> they're, they're so ingrained. And no matter how much personal development work you've done, no matter how much healing work you've done, no matter how much therapy you've had, you find yourself with family again. And all of a sudden, you're that person. And everybody is like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like we're like, you, you become the person you were when you were a kid again. And having to recognize that and then actively choose to not hold that role, unless that's a role that you really love and feel amazing with. For me, like I, I like being the person who fixes things. I like being in control. I like, I also know I like the pat on the back of being the good big sister that takes care of everything. Like there's some gratification to that. And I can sense it in myself. It's like when my dad gives me a hug, I'm like, oh, you did a great job with this party. I feel, <laughs> I feel, I feel like I'm 10 years old and I like won the spelling bee or something. I'm like, yes, look, look at how capable I am. <laughs> And it's like, I don't have to prove to my dad. I don't have to prove to anybody that I'm capable. I don't have to be the 10-year-old acing a test. Like, no, 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 no. That is not why I'm here. Like, I'm not here to be the big sister for everyone. I'm here to relax. <laughs> I'm here to enjoy time with my family, to actually spend time just hanging out, not with this hat on, fixing every problem or taking care of every issue. Like, no, you know, we can all take care of ourselves at this point, except for the kids, right? And I have two kids to take care of. So it's like, I don't have to make everybody else my kid too. But I really, like when I realized just how frantic I had kind of been that day trying to get everything perfect and oh my God, it's like, no, Rachel, like, no, no, no. Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it funny? Man, childhood, <laughs> really sticks with you you know it's just strange I don't know if you if you knew but like how you grow up really shapes you weird huh <laughs> anyway this is my little Maldivian update but I do want to say one of the just big yeah the big anchorings that I'm taking with me from this place is the next time I come across a postpartum woman or the next time I come across a pregnant woman, whether that's a per person in my life or a family member or a friend or an acquaintance or anything, I am going to make just this extra massive effort to take care of that person, to ask what do they need and to give them things and bring them things without them having to ask. And I really think 
if we could all collectively get together and just align with the fact that we need to make a bigger deal out of postpartum time. Like we need to just invasively get in there in other people's lives and support them even more than they ask for, if that makes sense. Like if you have a pregnant woman in your life or a postpartum woman in your life, how can you step up your game right now? Can you send her some food with like Postmates or Uber Eats or something? Can you go like cook her something amazing? Can you just drop by her house and like ask if you can clean up a little bit? Like do, do her laundry, take care of her other kids, send her something delicious. I really think food and hydration and cleaning is where it's at. But, you know, sending flowers and stuff is also helpful. Or just picking up the phone to tell them that they're doing such an amazing job and that you know that this time is hard. Because sometimes that's all a person wants to hear too. But yeah, I'm taking that with me here of like just this, oh, next time you see someone with a little baby instead of just going, oh my God, this baby is so cute. It's like, oh my God, you're three months postpartum. Wow. How are you feeling? What do you need? I think we can celebrate the mothers in our lives a little bit, a little bit more. And um, yeah, that's me for today. I, uh, for the rest of this time, I had a friend ask, like, are you going to come home? Or is this one of those trips where you just like stay a little longer? Um, (laughs) I think we're coming home. I think by next week, I will be talking to you already from Sweden. But who knows? Honestly, if, uh, if an opportunity would open up for us to just hang out a little longer, I definitely, definitely, definitely would. I'm gonna grab a coconut and go watch the sunset now. And uh, I am sending you just some, yeah, some sunset energy. And also just a little reminder that wherever you are, the sun is setting somewhere today. <laughs> I uh, love it when people say that. It's not the same watching the sunset from the beach holding a coconut but also in Sweden also in the dark part of Sweden where I live there is a sunset every day and there is a place to watch that sunset every day there is an opportunity to watch the sunrise every day too and um yeah I'm gonna get a little bit better at really honoring that moment when I get back have a beautiful rest of this week okay I'll see you soon Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.